We'd like to thank our friends at PwC for their support, partnership, and collaboration in making Retail Gets Real. Learn more about how PwC helps retailers at pwc.com. We don't have the traditional marketing funnel that many brands will talk about. We have these stories of connectivity and community and meaning, which makes it a little bit more challenging, but so much fun. I'm Bill Thorne from the National Retail Federation, and this is Retail Gets Real, where we talk with retail's most fascinating leaders about the industry that impacts everyone, everywhere, every day. For more than 60 years, Lily Pulitzer has been outfitting loyal Lily fans with their favorite brightly colored prints and resort fashion. Today, we're chatting with Michelle Kelly, president of Lily Pulitzer, to talk about keeping the brand fresh for a new generation and creating a culture that continues to delight customers. I'm joined today by my friend, my colleague, my co-host, Mary McGinty. Hello, Mary. Hello. We're really glad you're here. I am too. Thanks. (laughs) Why are you glad you're here? Because Michelle is probably one of my biggest female retail heroes, and I'm so excited to talk to her today. Wow, fangirl. This is going to be fun. So, Michelle, welcome to Retail Gets Real. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited that you had the opportunity to do it, and we want to know more about Michelle Kelly. So, where did you get your started? So, you started, I know this, in Colorado. How did you get out east? So, my family actually moved to the East Coast right smack in the middle of high school for me. And, of course... I was entering 10th grade. Entering 10th, yeah. And at the time, I thought that, you know, the world was ending and this would be a, you know, real setback in life. And of course, in hindsight, I think it, you know, was a tremendous thing for me and forced me to be mobile and open to new experiences. And of course, you know, having to make new friends at that age is a good thing in life and um, ended up loving the East Coast and, you know, really have never left. So we're about in the East Coast. I, uh, we had, we moved from Colorado to Northern Virginia area. Oh, nice. And living in, you know, the suburbs of DC, not far from our friends at NRF. Yep. And went to school at University of Virginia, came back to DC, started my career in consulting. Very good. And, um, you know, had a great uh, first few years at McKinsey, tremendous training, tremendous way to be able to see a lot of industries. But as a consultant, I did miss, or I didn't know I missed it, but as a consultant, I I knew I was missing, um, you know, desire to be more hands-on. And, you know, it was great to give advice. And of course, at that stage of my career, I wasn't even really the one giving great advice, but, um, you know, trying to solve problems. And then, you know, I didn't have the chance to implement them. So I, I knew pretty early on that that was something that I wanted to do, to do more of in my career. I ended up, you know, going to business school. And then it was as I was, you know, finishing up at Harvard for business school that I ended up meeting definitely some serendipity involved, but met the two gentlemen who owned the Lily Pulitzer brand at the time. The brand had been relaunched after a period of not having been in the market. And I had just as a customer... What year was this? This is, I graduated from business school in 2004, so I was probably, you know, having these conversations in 03. Got it. The brand had been relaunched in uh, 94, that spring of 94 was the first relaunch season. And so the brand had had, you know, had been around since, you know, through the 60s and 70s, but the company at the time, you know, had only been 
in this, you know, in that current phase for about 10 years and had come tremendously far. So I was thrilled to be able to join it at that stage. And I really, you know, came in with open, open eyes, open arms, open mind. And I wanted to really learn the business of retail. At the time, we were completely wholesale. So my first role within the company was wholesale sales and it was to all the major department stores. This is in the early, you know, early 2000s. So I was, you know, doing my best to get appointments with all of the, you know, all the department stores you can imagine at the time, right when they were experiencing, you know, just starting to experience that pretty intense round of consolidation that happened in that kind of 04, 05, 06 timeframe. So I feel like I jumped into the industry and at the time I felt like it was, you know, changing so rapidly and that, you know, that it must be a a short phase of change. And of course it has not stopped changing. (laughs) So, you know, it's been a tremendous learning and I feel like we get new problems every day, both as retailers and as, you know, brand manufacturers, designers. And, you know, it all comes back to serving the customer and, and finding new ways to really exceed her expectations. I know Mary's got thousands of questions, so I'm going to try to get mine in early. You know, Lily Pulitzer, I, I, I'm familiar with that brand. I, it, I'm not familiar with a lot of women's brands. That's one I'm familiar oh, with. Wonderful. I, I think it's primarily, I grew up in the South, mm-hmm. and I, I think during my period of time when I was in college, a lot of Lily Pulitzer, a lot of sororities, and it, it was very it was very in, you know, mm-hmm. with the espadrilles and everything else. So I think that, but I, so you've got a brand. Yes. And it has been able to transcend, you know, from way before that to that time to this time and still be relevant. How do you do that? It is what we spend all of our time working on. You know, we all work very hard on that, you know, core key question. So it's definitely not, you know, a happy accident by any means. But I do think that some of the key fundamental reasons why the brand took off back in the 60s are still very relevant today. You know, the brand started because of this incredible woman who set out to improve her life and, you know, improve her health and improve her outlook on life. And in doing so, she created this brand and, you know, ended up creating this sense of fashion that really, you know, let her personality come through, which was fun and whimsical and confident and carefree, certainly, you know, optimistic at its core. And I think people still want those things. So while, you know, the fashion has changed, the time has changed, the way we deliver product to customers has changed, some of those fundamental reasons for why Lily makes someone smile are absolutely still relevant today and it's still very important to to women today. It's amazing. I really I, I could walk through an airport and identify a Lily Pulitzer dress. I couldn't do that for any other brand. I couldn't do it for a handbag. I could do it for nothing, but I could do it for a Lily Pulitzer. That's amazing. It Our- is amazing. Amazes me. Um, I'm just. I'm gonna have to quiz so you on that. Um, all right, Mary, go ahead. Okay, so it's been I'm, fun. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come back to you in a couple of minutes. So I'm obviously a huge Lily fan. Wonderful. Um, I have a daughter who's four now, but I remember being so excited when I first bought us our first matching Lily oh, outfits. It's the best. Yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, now for all of her school pictures, she's wearing Lily dresses. So like all these key moments that are important to us, we mm-hmm. put her in Lily. So can you just talk a little bit about like the happiness that Lily brings to its customers, the happiness that it brings to its employees? I know it's a very heavily female-based workforce. So 
I think you just touched on all of my favorite topics. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> forgive me. I'll just keep going. Um, but you know, happiness is, I mean, that is the brand. And when we ask our customers why they wear Lily, it is, I would say, you know, almost always the word happy is part of that answer. Um, there are a lot of other words that, you know, we hear too that are different, you know, takes on happy. It's not always sunshine and roses. You know, we do hear a lot of stories from our customers how, you know, maybe they were going through a transitional time in their life and needed something to give them more confidence. So sometimes we'll hear stories that have more of that, you know, direction to it. We'll certainly hear stories about people who have, you know, just only positive associations because maybe they never set out to wear Lily in the first place, but they were going to a wedding or a graduation or a, you know, family vacation reunion, you know, anything where lots of lots of people are getting together and someone told them, oh, this is, you know, absolutely, I'm getting this, you know, do you want to wear one too? And, you know, so then over time, they just have all these wonderful positive associations with the brand. So that's, you know, another direction or another kind of way that customers, you know, will will describe happiness. But yeah, I think happy, it is it is fundamental to the brand. You know, a lot of people when they're describing the brand will say, you know, that the prints are bright and colorful. And Lily herself would actually, you know, often correct us, you know, when, when if, if that ever came up, you know, in her presence. And she would say, the prints are happy. They're not bright. They're not colorful. You know, they're happy prints. And, you know, we definitely adopted that. We say that they're happy prints for happy times. And, um, but I do think it's important to talk. I mean, happy is a very there are a lot of different ways to define happy. And again, some of these stories of confidence and just, you know, finding optimism when otherwise things might be tough. If we're able to provide, you know, something that offers that optimism in, in a time when, you know, someone might not be having, you know, they're kind of coming to us for that. Those are pretty special nuances, you know, of the word happy that we see as well. So I'm always, you know, I'm amazed every day when I speak with customers. There's often a little bit more, you know, there's really often a lot of depth to what brought them to the brand in the first place. So I love hearing your story about matching your mini. That's definitely <laughs> important to us. And, you know, we, we see, we always say that, you know, someone any age, two to 92, they can, they can wear Lily. Right. And, you know, find something that they'll like. So when you just launched your For the Love of Lily social campaign, you were hearing a lot of those stories, those very personal stories from a lot of your customers. Can you yes. talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, I think, you know, one thing that definitely came through that was a great, and then the hashtag is still wonderful. It's a great thing to just, you know, pick up and read if there's ever, you know, a tough, a tough day or a tough moment at work, and there aren't many, but, you know, reading some of those stories is just, you know, the ultimate inspiration. And, you know, Lily brings people together. The brand brings people together. It's why we celebrated our 60th anniversary not too long ago with a big party, you know, I find people, um, you know, hear stories of women who have gotten to know each other through social media, but have never physically met. They then make plans to meet and they're both wearing their Lily and they're over the moon. So, you know, I think stories of, of Lily, the brand bringing people together definitely came through that contest and, you know, in social media campaign, definitely again, stories of someone going through some, you know, maybe tougher period in their life and then finding Lily as, um, you know, a bit of ray of sunshine during a difficult time. That was definitely something that came up. And and I would also say that, you know, it's about friendship and, you know, and really connecting people. So, you know, often there is a story 
of course, when I interview, I always ask, you know, um, you know, if anyone is joining the company, I'll ask what, you know, when they first heard of Lily and, and there's always a good story. I'd say more often than not, it is a story of a sister, a friend, a mom, you know, a daughter bringing, you know, introducing the person to the brand and then explaining to that person what the brand means to them. And then they're like, all right, I'll give it a try. We really do love all the great stories. It makes our you know, we don't have the traditional marketing funnel that many brands will talk about. We have these stories of connectivity and community and meaning, which makes it a little bit more challenging, but so much fun. So can you take us back a couple of years ago? I remember when you partnered with Target and I remember going to Target and getting there literally 10 minutes after the store had opened and all of the Lily products were sold off the shelves. There was nothing left. Wow. If it makes you feel any better, I didn't get anything that day either. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It was incredible. It was amazing. And I was texting my sister in Pennsylvania and she was saying, everything's gone here too. I mean, online, everything was sold within the first 10 minutes. It was insane. So can you tell us what you learned from that collaboration and how that helped inform? seems like it was like a nanosecond collaboration. Yeah. I mean... Put it it on was the a shelf nanosecond. Was yes, yes. It was pretty fast. You know, it was amazing. First of all, you know, Target was an incredible partner to collaborate with. We were lucky enough to go out and visit them, you know, several times to Minneapolis and, and see their offices and just the level of talent that they had. It's definitely no accident and, and you know, no surprise why all of their collaborations, you know, do so well. They have, you know, a tremendous team and tremendous depth there working on, you know, bringing these things to life. So that was very impressive. So one thing that I thought was really special about that collaboration is, you know, the Target's philosophy with their design partnerships is design for all. And they have this, you know, scale and ability to bring a very specific design point of view that may, you know, currently not have the platform, you know, or the scale to to really be, you know, for all. And I would say that's where we were back in 2015. You know, we just didn't really, 2013, when we started working on it with them, you know, we love the brand so much, but you know, we're still a reasonably, you know, small company and, um, you know, didn't have, you know, the resources or the scale to be able to, you know, to do that kind, do the categories that they did and, and all the different, you know, types of product that they were able to bring, you know, our print to life on. So they were a wonderful partner. And I think that, you know, what we learned from it is, again, the Lily brand brings people together. I was at my local Target that morning as well. And, you know, just kind of chatting with everyone in line. Everyone was with a friend. We were all in our you know, Lily Luxletic and, you know, kind of <laughs> casual clothing. And everyone was chatting, having a great time while we're, you know, literally waiting in line. I think that really speaks to Lily brand. People have fun when they're together. No one knew what they were going to get. They didn't know if they're going to get anything. And, um, you know, everyone was really just, you know, chatting and having a good time. Then, of course, they opened the doors right on time. And I just, I remember seeing the line. I was, you know, at the back of the line because I'd been chit-chatting with everyone and, you know, saw everyone go up the escalator and it was the same, just gone. Gone. Absolutely gone. So I think we learned that there is, you know, a wonderful connection and and that, you know, more people would love for our, right. you know, design point of view to be, you know, more available and, and to be in the kinds of categories that, you know, that they were able to bring to life. So, you know, we're working on it. It was definitely a big moment for us. But, you know, again, on the flip side, we were you know, we're again, you know, so much smaller than they are that I think, you know, we were kind of able to just, you know, take a step back afterward and, you know, say, all right, you know, what did we learn? And that was great that we brought people together. We'll keep working at it. And, you know, one day we'll be able to do, you know, all these things. 
So I'd say those were some of our learnings, but you know, it was great. Definitely a moment in time. Did that inform, did you have any learnings from the Target collaboration that informed your collaboration with Pottery Barn? Well, I mean, not directly. The only, probably the only, you know, downside of how everything with Target evolved is that it sold out so fast. We actually didn't get any great data on what sold because, you know, we would say, oh, did the home products sell out faster? And they were like, everything was gone the first day. You know, we don't have hourly reporting on product sell throughs. So maybe they do by now. So I can't say it informed any of our future collaborations directly, but what it definitely showed is that when you work with a great partner with great talent, you know, they do have skills, you know, to bring categories to life that we don't. And certainly, you know, our collaboration with Pottery Barn was another great example of that with, you know, a tremendous team with great skills in, you know, the home furnishings area, being able to learn about our brand, embracing our brand, and then bringing it to life on their products. You know, I think it certainly wasn't the first, won't be the last time we collaborate with a great partner. So let's bring this around to Michelle again real quick. So you uh, get done with uh, business school. You go to work for Lilly. How many years before you became president? It was, I guess, 11 years. All right. That's very, so there's a lot of our listeners. It's very interesting. A lot of our listeners are students. Uh Um, And uh, I've actually been told that um, there are professors that require their students to listen to Retail Gets Real. So at least we know we have some listenership. (laughs) Um, Even if it's required. Uh, (laughs) But my mom and then students. Um, But so my question would be, if if you were to go back to Michelle at the University of Virginia, even before Harvard, and you were looking at your future, I'm sure that being president of Lily Pulitzer was not on the list of things. But what, you know, how do you think that you evolved into this? I mean, open mind, willing to look, explore, risk. What, What was it that brought you to this position? Great question. You know, I I would say definitely open mind. Um, I, I loved what I did. I have loved and I still do. I love what I do, you know, and, and have loved it at every single stage. You know, so when I was in sales, I was, you know, very challenged and, you know, kind of thrilled yet frustrated at the same time of, you know, the challenge of getting a new category into a new department store. And then, you know, was, you know, very fortunate to be able to experience different functions within the brand. So of course, you know, I really got to know the brand and the company, you know, from different angles and just loved it. I love what the brand stands for. I have had incredible mentors along the way. I, you know, love our customers. That's a big part of it. I think, you know, the reason I was able to, you know, really, you know, find success within retail is because I just genuinely love it and would spend a lot of time you know, people always say, you've got your nine to five, but what's your five to nine? And my five to nine was often just visiting our stores and figuring out what customers were into and just watching them. And are they, you know, what makes someone decide to go into the fitting room? And, you know, all the, all of the different, you know, things that you get to observe in stores that as much as I love data and believe in data and believe in, you know, digital interactions, there are absolutely things that only can be observed in a retail store location. So I would say it's, you know, passion, loving what I do. I'm not, I don't know if I would have, like, like you said, it wasn't on the list. I don't think I would have, you know, I don't, I don't think that there was a career path where I may have, you know, jumped around and ended up being president of a different brand. I mean, I just, right. I love this brand right? and, you know, love our customers, love what we do, love what we stand for. I love our team. 
So there was just a lot of, you know, good things that came together. It is so interesting to me. I mean, we've talked to a lot of different leaders over the last couple of years that we've done Retail Gets Real. And the one thing that always comes through with every single one, doesn't matter what platform, it doesn't matter what they're selling or how they're selling it. uh, It's the word that they use that you just used again, which is passion. You have to have a passion for what uh, you do, and especially in retail, because it's hard. It's really hard. But you're impacting so many people on so many different levels in so many different places at so many different stages in their lives, and you have that responsibility. And if you have a passion for it, you love it. So I think that's it speaks well to you. Uh, it speaks great for the brand. Give one of those listeners, one of those uh, women that's looking to start her career, she loves retail, she's passionate about it, What's that piece of advice that you would give them? Oh, gosh. I think, you know, one thing that I see and I'm, you know, fortunate to be able to interact with, you know, a lot of people just, you know, starting out their careers, I do see more maybe anxiety at this point than I think any of us had, you know, 20 years ago and and certainly more than I had. You know, I was very fortunate to be able to, you know, have this, you know, to meet great people who are willing to take a shot on me, you know, bring me into the company when I didn't have retail experience you know, I, I wasn't as worried about what was happening in five years. Right. I, you know, I wasn't as worried about how it would all work out. And maybe that was, you know, a mistake. Maybe I should have been more worried about it. But, you know, I ended up, you know, I'm certainly happy with my career, have reasonable, you know, balance in life and, you know, have, able to, have been able to continue to do, you know, fun things outside of work. And, um, you know, certainly while feeling like I've, you know, put my all into the, you know, the current role for sure. But I do think I, I think I worried a lot less about what was going to happen than maybe I see young students worry about now. And I had plenty to worry about. Like I should have been more worried, but, you know, I wasn't and, and took it all in, you know, small chunks. Everything was kind of a two-year chapter. And I think what that let me do, you know, allowed me to do was, you know, nothing felt like a forever move. And which I know sounds funny because I've now been at the same company for 15, you know, more than 15 years. And, but nothing ever felt like a forever move. And I do think that let me take more risks. I think if I had been so worried about, you know, what would happen in five years when I was graduating from business school and, you know, had loans and everything, you know, if I were so worried about what would happen, maybe I wouldn't have jumped into this industry and that would have been a miss. You know, I love this industry and it certainly all worked out. So I do think maybe that's a piece of advice is to... great advice, hard actually. Hard to say, but just... No, it's, it's, it's actually right. I mean, take 100%. Take it one step at a time. Exactly. Don't stress yourself out about the future. Things will happen. You've got, to, you've got to have kind of a path or you've got to have a vision, but it doesn't mean that you have to have the answers. You don't have mm-hmm. to have the solutions. You don't have to have the, the, the knowledge that this is a certainty. Mm-hmm. You've got to be willing to accept that unknown and that risk. And so many people today just get really kind of tense at the thought that they there's an uncertain tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think this industry is full of, you know, ambiguity and, you know, and, and it's changing quickly. So I think, you know, people are, you know, can often be worried about what, you know, what will happen in two years. Well, I mean, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to the industry? What's going to happen to your business? There are a lot of things, yep. you know, that need to dovetail to have, you know, work and life make sense together. And I think maybe taking it on in smaller digestible, you know, Two year-ish chunks, yep. you know, can help increase the comfort with ambiguity, which I think you know, I think that makes people, you know, helps helps people be better problem solvers. I do think the industry needs great problem solvers. Yep. Um, more than anything. 
So I've gotten the high sign. We're almost out of time. I don't know if you've heard an episode of Retail Gets Real before, but there is a segment that uh, if you have heard of it, you're ready for it. If you haven't, you aren't, but you will be. It's called Rapid Fire. One of our favorite segments on Retail Gets Real is Rapid Fire. Thanks to our sponsor, PwC. We're going to ask you some questions. Okay. And we want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't think about it. Just answer it. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yes. Mary, start us off. Favorite summer cocktail. Does rosé count? Of course. (laughs) This is going to be interesting because you come from the mountains and you moved to the East Coast. Yes. Mountains or beach? Beach. With you. Favorite lily print? Coronado crab. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to sell out tomorrow. So what's the one thing that's always in your refrigerator? Half and half for my coffee. Perfect. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? You know, right in the middle circadian rhythms, you know, 8.30 to 5.30 is my perfect day. Right in the middle. Cool. <laughs> so last book that you read? Trillion Dollar Coach. Awesome. Favorite comfort food? Well, I do eat vitamin C gummies when I keep them on hand. I don't know if it's quite comfort food, but they are a great midday, you know, sweet, somewhat healthy, I think. I don't get sick very often, so maybe they're working. <laughs> All right. This is going to be a really easy one. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Flying? Okay. <laughs> Got it. You let it be so well, right? <laughs> oh, no, I'm keeping this one. Oh, <laughs> this, no. goes, this goes as is. <laughs> Michelle, if people want to learn more about Lily Pulitzer, where do they go? Please go to our website or look at our Instagram feed. Those are the most up-to-date, that's for sure, lilypulitzer.com, or find us on Insta. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been absolutely fantastic. I've enjoyed this immensely. I know Mary has too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Mary, thanks. Great job. Thank you very much. And so thank you all for listening again to another episode of Retail Gets Real. If you want to know more about this episode or others, visit us at retailgetsreal.com. And please send your feedback, episode ideas to podcast at nrf.com. Once again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.